0: Today's episode involves discussions about suicide and sexual abuse, so please take care when listening. If you find that you need support or need to talk about any of the issues that have been raised for you, then please get in touch with Healthline on 0800 611 116 and we'll have more options for help on our page rnz.co.nz slash friedchicken. Hi, this is comedian and depressed alcoholic James Nokise, and you're listening to Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower, a podcast about headspace and happiness for my safe place, the shower with fried chicken. In this episode, I'm talking to Rob Mokolaka, actor, writer, and mental health advocate. We'll talk about the way he makes
1: theatre. Kshopo has to be pono, sika, and aroha. It has to be true, it has to be correct in the way you deliver it, but it has to be imbued with love and compassion.
0: About getting his mental health message to the people. He's
1: just going to simplify it in a bread, butter, meat and potatoes way. So Kiwis go, oh, it's just a bloody potato. And trying to talk to his accountant about taxes. He's like English as. (laughs) He's like, here's a box of tissues if you... uh,
0: Some of this will get a bit real. The language, the subjects. So make sure you're in a safe space with your comfort food. And join us eating fried chicken in the shower. What chicken are we eating? Chicken kragi, my favourite. This is my favourite. Is that J- Japanese chicken? Japanese, why, why are we eating Japanese chicken? Why is a Maori and a
1: Samoan in a shower in New Zealand eating Japanese chicken? A lot of therapists will be asking us the same thing. <laughs> but, but I think so they've got a fine art form yeah. of, for making chicken. Yeah. Everything is refined. There's aroha and there's precision in their kai. Mm. Mm. I like that. I like it. Aroha <laughs> and precision in the chicken. <laughs> Let's get in. Let's get hey, in. Hey, Oh my god, tip. moteta Hey, get in there. Killed it. Oh yeah, that's beautiful.
0: Oh man, there is aloha in that chicken. <laughs> and I think I'm just by tasting it, it had a peaceful death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we have we have something very unusual in common. Which is we are both with uh, suicide survivors. Yes, we are. Although uh, in in your particular case, uh, my bro, your case was uh, much more louder.
1: Yeah, that was right? very
0: public. Two thousand and nine. Just to frame it for people who who don't know the story, mm. you call the cops on yourself.
1: Yeah, that's right. This is all public knowledge because I'm doing this show, is mm. that um, uh, I was struggling in the storm of depression and suicide thoughts. Mm-hmm. They said it's undiagnosed depression, but actually now it is unresolved trauma. Yeah, right. So that's what the key was. Um, and I thought I deserved a violent death because I was spinning out of control mentally. Mm. And I called the police, described myself from head to toe, mm. and I said, he's armed. Mm. So I armed myself with a meat cleaver, a soup ladle, mm. and wrapped the soup ladle up in a tea towel. And I walked down to the road, willing myself to be dead. Yeah. What was
0: the, the things that really just drove it? Was this is it- what
1: happened. So I say this in shop right mm. uh, I was in a crazy relationship. Mm-hmm. We're both swirling in the storm. Mm-hmm. None of us recognized it. I thought I needed to get off this crazy relationship, so I went to sleep with another woman. Yeah, right. I say this on the show. Mm. I come back to the current one. She said, Did you sleep with it? And I went, Yeah. Thinking, fuck, there's going to be relief. We're going to break up. Mm. But she held me to- close. Mm. close. close. Mm. I also told her about my three abortions that I've had growing up. Right. And I kept that secret that was killing me, bro. Like I've killed babies. So that, that, that relationship triggered everything underneath all of that mm. and in the last two years I realised I'd been sexually molested and so all these things started to come up and I'm like trying to push it down I didn't know what was happening to me I go, something's going to happen so over six days I didn't have any drinks or drugs mm. I just went, I have to be clean because I don't know what's happening because mm. something was just fucking like something was shaking within me bro, and I felt it was going to burst and I didn't know what was going to happen
0: How many cops were there in the end?
1: I didn't count no. No, but I only saw two Remember well, right. And But um, apparently, there was quite a few of them. said they didn't want to shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, they did shoot me. Oh, they those, uh, yeah. Close range. Yeah. Glock 9mm bullet right near my heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm very lucky to be alive, bro. It yeah. zigzagged through my internal organs. I woke up in hospital mm. with my guts wide open with machines and beeping sounds. And uh, like I woke up, woke up from a nightmare mm-hmm. and I. <gasps> and I woke up and I was like. I'm in so much pain. And the first thing I thought of was, I hope my dad doesn't know. Oh, man. And uh, I said to this nurse, she was actually Cook Island. Uh, mm. No, she's not a nurse. She was a doctor. Mm. She was hot. <laughs> and um, she says, um, have you got any other uh, infections that you think we need to look at? And I said, something wrong with my back. I always get sore because I'm on my back constantly, in my mm. guts. And she goes, I have a look. And she went in and she went, oh, hang on. I'm just going to have to give you some more morphine. Gave me some morphine, starts sticking into my back. Next question she says is, Uh, Do they find that bullet? Because I've just had surgeries. I went, no. She goes, hang on. So she extracts a rib, piece of rib, because my ribs have been cracked and the bullet cracked through it. Mm. And then she dug deeper and then she extracted the shell casing from the clock, nine millimetre bullet. And I said, can I hold it? Because it was so painful. And I held it and went, you little shit. But I didn't realise, you know, Mm. I'm the one who caused this. Mm. I created this event Mm. and I got shot uh, because I scared the police. I'm I'm real glad that um, I ate some
0: chicken before I asked about the surgery. <laughs> I'm
1: still gonna eat my chicken. <laughs> don't wait, don't wait. I'll
0: get better. I'm not, I'm not gonna dismiss the chicken. No, don't
1: dismiss Although,
0: like, Hey, look. If you if you get to a point where you need to eat my chicken, you can go ahead. It. Oh,
1: thanks, bro. I'm looking at it.
0: Eating fried chicken in the shower. Quality chicken for quality chats. I remember it. Everyone was like. Uh, it was like, did you hear about Rob? Did you hear about Rob? Mm. Uh, except for me, I was going, who's Rob? <laughs> <laughs> that, guy. That, oh, that guy. Oh, little that guy. But were you aware of how big, like, there
1: was a nationwide story? Like, I suppose I was too traumatised at the time, but it became more uh, aware to me that the media were everywhere. And they started to harass and haunt my family, like mm. just unlisted numbers, ringing my grandmother, harassing her for a story. Oh. And she's like, who's this? Mm. I'm here to help Rob. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the media were also chasing me through court cases. So were like mm. a hungry pack of dogs. Mm. And I realised that uh, the media at that time wanted to be the first to take a bite out of me mm. and go, yes, I got first blood. Mm. I got first blood doesn't have to have any facts in it. Mm. It can be made up, which they did make some shit up, mm. which upset my family. So it was quite traumatising on top of the traumatization of Yeah. Um, but it made me realise that uh, not all journalists, but there's quite a few of them that are just all about the story and there's no humanity. Mm. Hashtag not all journalists. You're a boob who got shot. Yeah and your show is called Shop Bro. Yeah. Is
0: part of you naming that to to like you're bringing it into the light but also
1: to remind yourself to keep it light. Yeah, uh, it's cuz it's funny dark real. Mm. And when I first pitched it to a couple of mates I went, "Oh, it's a bit dark, bro." It is a bit dark. And I went too soon. <laughs> I was the one saying too soon they were like oh, yeah bro it's way too soon I just—I thought oh, that's the name of the show and I mm. kept it like people said you shouldn't say that. maybe change it to a different name and it was helping me using humour mm. to open up Shop Bro mm. into a theatre show which someone said because I'm in it they go it's more like a theatre show combined with a seminar Mm. so you I'm using this as a tool for education and healing and using humour as a way to unlock some very heavy subject
0: material I remember uh, doing oratory and and being told you know you should try and get a negative you know a a sadness because it's much easier for people to relate (sighs) through sadness than through joy Mm. I was like you have not hung out with Maori and PIs Uh, yeah totally that's (laughs)
1: how we get through shit yeah but we use tikanga in particular, a Māori tikanga, to frame Chopra. As the audience are coming in, we're meeting and greeting them, my cousin, mm. or my mate Tangaro, who's my stage manager, and Kaitiaki, is that we meet and greet people. So as they're coming in, they go, oh, this Rob seems pretty normal. Mm. And I'm thinking, yeah, we'll just get to know each other. And then you're going to know the real me to where I was nine years ago. Mm. So that's kind of like an informal mihi toe. because they sit down, we introduce ourselves to Papa, and then we do the show, then we do the forum. The forum is mm. actually the real healing part because mm. once they watch Rob sweat everywhere for 75 minutes they go, thank God I'm not like him, I could be mm. but they go, I've got to get help. Mm. And then we have the forum. And after we have the forum, we close that with a karakia. Because we've cl- we opened up the space. Now we close it. Mm-hmm. And then the next section is to eat food and have cups of tea. So we keep grounding ourselves mm. before people go home. Yeah. Have you been challenged on your trip? I've been challenged a lot. Because people... I've been triggered in the sense like, how dare he speak about this thing that I'm living? And why did you, why do you make it so funny? I had, had somebody approach why me. Why'd you make it so funny? Why'd why you make it so funny? Depression's not funny. And I realized, oh, I've triggered it. Where do you draw your stability from in those moments? Ah, so my cousin helped, my cousin Clint Edmonds. He goes, Kshopro has to be Puno, Tsika, and Aroha. It has to be true, it has to be mm-hmm. the truth, it has to be correct in the way you deliver it, but it has to be imbued with love and compassion. And uh, it's easier to just be walking on the truth, but if you have no aroha, it's more, it turns into a, a blame game and I'm the expert, Yeah. but it's not the case with me. I'm, I'm telling everybody who, who comes to shop, just because I've seen heaps of shrinks doesn't mean I am one, hmm. nor am
0: I an expert. It's because I think New Zealand's often the idea of help, right? not just mental health help, but the idea of asking for help. So, you know, it's going to a shrink can be seen as a as a sign of, of weakness, but mm. also I think there's that um, that number eight fence wire mentality means that Kiwis are, are brought up to go, oh I can I can figure it out. You know, just give me a hammer and a nails so and yeah, I'll yeah. I'll build myself a good mental health structure.
1: Yeah. Oh absolutely.
0: Yeah. And that's just uh,
1: we've been we have to unlearn all that.
0: Mm. We have to unlearn it. Is it is it scary when you go to shrink for the first time? Yeah.
1: I went to I saw a shrinking about a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. thanks to Mike King, he shouted me one. Because mm. he said, I think you might need to defrag after that. And I went, I think I do. Mm. So I walked in there after seeing lots of shrinks again. Man, I'm pretty cool. I'm another mm-hmm. day at the office. I parked outside of his office. I started walking up the steps. I started to get fear. Because yeah. I'm going, oh, I've been here before. But oh, I was scared to go into the deep, dark place to start talking about it again. Yeah, right. Stuff that I hadn't really looked at. Mm. So, and it's okay because at the end of the day, um, they're not there to hurt you. They're mm. just here to make sure that you can be lighter after you leave the office. And a good thing about singer shrink, and I say this in shop, is mm. that we're not related. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so when I go, I talk about my past, they yeah. don't go, your auntie done it, your uncle said it, <laughs> and they all go, <laughs> and nothing gets solved.
0: Is it, is it easier? Having survived your suicide, to go—this oh, is scary. Is it as scary as getting shot by the police? Oh,
1: absolutely, yeah. bro. People go. It must be traumatic for you to revisit that incident, mm. and I go, it's not as traumatic as the actual day. <laughs> 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 I said, I'm just pretending. You know, you there's no police officer. It's just me. So I'm just pretending. Oh, ouch! And then people are crying or laughing, and then and then they go, oh, it must be intense. And no. <laughs>
0: Eating fried chicken in the shower, do it with someone you trust.
1: So Mike sent me to a shrink, mm. and then once I started to process it during shop row and all that touring, I went to my cousin, who I really trust. Like, mm. look, there's a man, and uh, my father, no, there's not many, I could speak openly. I go, Cuz, can I go over here? Yep. So Kaz, i my fantastic, and I had to see a shrink recently, because, um, fuck, I just started having memories of being particularly molested. I thought there was someone else's, mm. and he just went, fuck. Not you too, cos Oh, no and I went, what? So all these feelings of like all these triggers mm. I told you about were real but at the core I keep going down into the matrix as I've like been sexually molested mm. and so I compartmentalised it and I only remembered it my ex "You, I think you remembered it because now you're mentally ready mm. spiritually if you'd mm. found out five years ago I don't think you'd be handling it this well mm. and I went, oh, that's true I would have fucking flipped out so, just having acknowledged that sexual abuse happened in our family in front of my aunties mm. and my nan mm. gave me some sense of relief. Not that I'm out to blame anybody. Mm. I just needed to acknowledge that the shit happened in our whānau.
0: So, that's a, a soldier? Yeah, yeah, he's an
1: ex Vietnam veteran. Ex Vietnam vet. How is he with this corridor? Uh, he's pretty good, he's been pretty open. He uh, he asked me how I am. Yeah. Asked me, sir. Where I've been, Um, because Dad was traumatized, and he opened. Mm. We just spoke about that um, because I just revealed to him that I'm going to be doing some stuff for the military. Yeah, right. Uh, And uh, he was like, "About time." Right. From a former soldier who went through extreme trauma in the Vietnam War, he said, "About time." And he said, "Um, he didn't get help or didn't get seen by a psychologist." psychiatrist until 10 years after the war well because he's in the mm. army for a long time mm. so i thought so for 10 years these men from vietnam were told to take off the uniforms because they just came from a war of shame mm. they killed in the name of mm. freedom and mm. new zealand and they're traumatized and they have to deny that they're in that so they're walking around freaking out mm. trying to be normal and some of them are in the army for ages. And as my dad says, you know, drugs and alcohol are, are, are suppressants to try and hide all of this. And those are his mates. And some have got through it, like he has, mm. and some haven't. What's, what's it like having that kind of conversation with your dad? It's massive, bro. It's massive. I don't take it lightly. When he talks, I go, he's like Clint Eastwood, bro. <laughs> he's like, he keeps his feelings in, but when he talks, <laughs> I got something to see. And I go, shit, I'm listening. Have you talked to them about the sexual abuse? I told my dad. Yeah? I told two aunties. Yeah. I thought I'd tell my dad just in case our finally start whispering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, oh, did You know that. So I said to my dad, got a dad, had to see Shrink again, uh, had memories of being sexually molested, so I had to go and get that out and talk about it. He just went to me, very cleanly, said, are you all right now? <laughs> I went, yeah, I'm good. Just thought I'd tell you. Just nodded. Because what's he going to say? Mm. He's old school, bro. Yeah, He's old school. And, uh, and your mum? Oh, my mum's seen shot, shop, bro. She's yeah. beautiful. My mum lives in Aussie. Mm-hmm. Um, and she flew over when all the shit went down. Mm. And my sister from Aussie. She loves me and she just wants me to be well. She always talks about her muckles, mm. And I say, I'm still doing shop, bro. She's proud of me. Because, you know, I think my mum's been through stuff too. Mm. All our parents, it's just that it was never a conversation that you were ever, ever allowed to have.
0: mm you're going to have a conversation with her about the sexual abuse? Thing?
1: I told her. You told, told her? Told her over the phone. Over the phone? I said, Mum, da da da. And my mum, I love my mum. She was like, she went, that didn't happen, son. I went, oh, okay, mum. And I was like, I'm getting terrific, talking about it. And oh, I went, oh, and I wanted to protect her because I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and it seems like it's not your fault. Mm. Like, that's none of this is my mum's fault. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, mum. It did, but I'm just letting you know. Mm. This is what I'm saying openly in Shop Bro, in the forum. Mm. And she says, I love you, son. And I was like, oh, fire out. Thanks, mom. So, yeah. You know, Terry, I thinking about protecting my mother mm. about my own stuff. Mm. And I think a lot of kids, too, who have been abused, mm. um, they feel like they, if they keep the secret, they're going to protect family members, whereas mm. that secret is killing them. Mm. And after the show, I have adults and kids come up to me and say thanks for saying that it happened to me Mm. and I say are you in a safe place now yeah we're living um out of the house and the uncle has been taken away and I'll go phew Mm. and so by me revealing this I'm just hoping that someone goes I can talk and get help
0: eating fried chicken in the shower take your time and make a playlist in stand-up, we worry about you know, hacklers or something like that. Oh, yeah. But we're we've often got security uh, <laughs> if if things really you know. Mm. But you you travel just you and your cousin and
1: yeah, or Tonglador and and any good friend who who I feel can who from that area. Okay. Yeah. You've seen the show a few times, right, brother right. or sis. Yeah. How do you feeling? do you feel about being my kaitaki in your town? And so that yeah. But I've been beaten up uh, by a cousin of mine actually. <laughs> Right, yeah. so family. I, that, I shouldn't laugh, but family, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So I was touring uh, into a little community called Tanihautu, mm-hmm. and I met my cousin for the first time. Uh, we fuck up on my tour, so yeah. Anyway, great. He's a he's a Maori healer. This, this, you, got, you
0: got beaten up by, by a Maori healer. healer? Who is
1: my cousin? <laughs> <laughs> so, but another thing is, bro. Everyone was drinking alcohol when I was just warming up for the show. We're at we're in the art gallery. Yeah. And and wait, like, you got beaten up by a Maori healer in an art gallery? Yeah. Yeah, next to it, right next to it, yeah. <laughs> bro, this is my cousin. So we're in a, we're at an art gallery and everyone's drinking alcohol and I'm thinking nothing of it, bro. Mm. And then in the first five minutes of the funniest part about Rob Legendary, All Black Rob, Mokaraka, um, co- his coach, Steve Hansen, all that, mm. he stands up with his can of beer and he marches out just like everyone's laughing mm. Except for him He walks out But he doesn't leave the show He just sits in the doorway And watches me And keeps drinking alcohol I think nothing of it bro mm. And uh, I finished the show People of the community Speak from the heart mm. uh, I have a couple of beers With some food I go, This is beautiful I tell my team editor mm. And my producer at the time "Wanna Go home I'm with my father." So when the last person left bro that, that cousin who was smiling at me The whole night Just turned on me and smashed the shit out of me so badly, I had to cancel my last two shows. Oh man! A uh, set of precedents that no alcohol, if you're inviting, shopper is allowed <laughs> to be
0: anywhere near me or the co Yeah is that is that the is that the worst like Oh, yeah. oh actually no, I, I should rephrase that. Is that a bad
1: response? Yeah, violence is always a bad response. Yeah. Um, and what I realised was. I triggered him, whether well, he because he's pretending to everybody that he's a guru. Right. So when you've got a mask on and mm. you've had trauma, that's and I look at it, obviously, like there must be unresolved trauma in his fucker papa. Mm. And so I triggered him, but he was using alcohol as a masking agent. And so, uh, when you try and use alcohol when you're down, mm. it creates the tanifa tenfold. Mm. So you know, anger is fear. Mm. So I, he was angry because he was scared, and so he. Violence is the inability to articulate your frustration. You're a father. I'm a dad of two daughters, Mm. um, 14 and 7, and my 7-year-old, she asked her mother to see ShopRoy one month ago.
0: How's that, brother?
1: That was huge. Mm. She was with all my nephews and nieces, because my cousins bring their kids, Mm. because people are bringing their kids to normalise it. Because kids are emotionally intelligent. Mm. They get the heart of the matter like my niece said when she was nine oh uncle your show's about sad people need lots of love and hugs <laughs> and I'm, that's exactly what my show's about and that's so beautiful bro. <laughs> yeah, bro the simplicity the emotional intelligence whereas adults go you had a mental breakdown because of oh, that's what happened and you weren't dealing with your shit and no wonder you had that and I'm like oh, I'm not going to be like that I'm going to see a psychiatrist mm. <laughs> um, and kids are just go, oh you need a hug mm. my seven year old daughter asked her because we, we knew she had questions she wasn't mm. scared at the show mm. she's with her cousins mm she asked a question to me recently She was dead she saw some fireworks and it reminded her for some reason of shot bro of me being shot yeah right and she goes and she goes will that happen again dad she needed assurance from me as a mm. father that i'm never going to get to that point again mm. she's seven bro yeah and she goes dad can you know that's not going to happen It's not going to happen, my darling, because Dad is not sick anymore because Dad knows he has to talk about his thoughts and emotions. Mm. So he doesn't become sick again. And I said, thanks to you and your sister, I'm extra happy that you're in my life. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm in a very special place that I want my daughters to know they can talk about anything Mm. because Dad got sick. Secrets keep you sick. But it's just talking about it and normalizing it and giving our kids tools. Mm. And the first tool is... You're allowed to talk about your mental health. You're allowed to talk about when you're feeling scared mm. or angry. You bottle that shit up and explode. It's not good for anyone. So what? What makes your buttons go? Oh, hang on a second. Um, tax. <laughs> and my accountant is very straight up and down, bro. He's like yep. English ass. <laughs> He's like, here's a box of tissues. If you, uh, <laughs> I like, thank you. Thanks for that. God, emotion. emotion. Oh yeah, Lord. Now let's stick to these figures, Rob. <laughs> get your shit together. Not that he said that, but yeah, yeah. look in his face like we've got to get this on mm-hmm. on back on the road. How do you uh how do you decompress fishing. fishing? I've got to get my ass on a boat or off the rocks and just go fishing. That is like uh, it's my calm time, my happy place. What is it about fishing? Uh, I don't know it's like on the uh, ocean is healing in general Mm -hmm. Uh, you know just a uh, passive aggressive hunter with the with the with the the rod and there's something about that with nature and I'm going to eat that fish I'm going to eat that that's my kai and I go there's something just calming about being on the water Mm. it's a way to a cleanse being on the ocean I'm all on the I'm all on the spiritual way to a buzz to help balance the mental yeah
0: uh, that's just hear kiwi blokes just go i just like to fish
1: like, no, yeah, there's, there's a white there's a white okay. on it no 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 i just i just do the line and yeah, I'm yeah and then add do the line get away from the missus she's on my case <laughs> uh, bloody kids have been yelling and screaming i'm gonna have this time for me and it's them time because kiwi's like you know we talk about the solitary kiwi man but i feel sometimes
0: maybe that's because we know it's like we're like oh, this mental health's a big thing. It's like yeah, but we we know. But like you say, the language, the language is, is isn't quite there because there is a part of Kiwis that go oh yeah. Sometimes you need to be by yourself.
1: Yeah, and it's you know, just got to simplify it in the bread butter meat and potatoes way. So Kiwis go oh, it's just a bloody potato. I need time away. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you'd like to share in the shower, brother? Oh no brother It's just that um, Talking about mental health Should be as normal as breathing Mm. And We all deserve as much Aroha And help as often As we need And I say that to men Women Kids Teenagers Because the suicide stats Are so Ridiculously high We need to be the change now That's all my bro Kia ora my brother
0: thanks again for listening. If you find that now or in the future you need support or need to talk about any issues that have been raised for you, then please get in touch with Healthline 0800 611 116 or your health professional. And we have more options for help on our page rnz.co.nz friedchicken fried chicken. Thank you very much and take care of yourself. Eating Fried Chicken in a Shower was produced by Charlie Bleakley and presented by me, James Nokise. The engineer is Blair Stagpool. The executive producers are Justin Gregory and Tim Watkin. Subscribe to every episode of this podcast at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public, or at RadioNZ.co.nz slash series. And while you're on Apple, please rate us by clicking on ratings and review, then the stars. But only give us five. It's really simple and means way more to us than it does to you. It's a great way to spread the word and get me more free-fried chicken. If you want to share your safe space or comfort food, tweet me at James Nokise. Or complaints can be tweeted to RNZ. Faftai Lava Matewa. This podcast is made possible by the RNZ New Zealand on Air Innovation Fund.